Good morning. You guys sound like, uh, you know, you just woke up late because of New Year's. That's tonight. Good morning. Welcome to worship this morning. I'm Pastor Corey, one of the pastors on staff here. Whether you're here in person or on screen, we welcome you. To this season of New Year's. Tonight is New Year's Eve. How many of you have plans to stay up? All four of you. Woo! All four of you. I'll be praying for you. The rest of us are going to catch some nice uh, sleep. So what I love about New Year's is that is with this season of New Year's comes a whole set of thinking, right? It's the New Year's resolution. It's between Thanksgiving and Christmas, we've had to buy a couple new pair of pants and a belt. And so we're thinking that maybe our New Year's resolution should be to lose weight. And so it's, it's the same for a lot of people. They make the resolution and they think, okay, first step, I need to buy something. That's the first step in resolution is buying something. So you go and you buy some new exercise equipment right? And you get it up and you go, oh, all right. I'm on way, but there's something missing. I got, I got to buy something else. So then you go, you go online or you go to the store and you buy something else. The other piece to the puzzle. Like, okay, I'm getting ready. I'm going to lose some weight. So then you get your bike Put it on here. All right, now I'm ready. I'm ready to lose some weight. And so the first week, you get on the bike and you pedal. I'm not going to do that. You get on the, it takes special shoes, okay? It takes special shoes. <laughs> Look at the pedals if you don't believe me. Take special shoes that I'm not wearing. You get on the bike and you pedal that first day. And you think, oh, I feel good. I bike for five minutes. Ooh, I feel wonderful. I feel alive. And then the next day you do it for 10 minutes. And you think, this is hard work. And you do it the third day. And you get on the scale. You expect the scale to drop like 10, 15 pounds, right? Because you bike three days in a row for a total of maybe 25 minutes. And you get on the scale and you've actually gained weight because you didn't drink enough water, and you took on water, water weight. And so now the scale is heavier, and you're thinking, what happened here? So then you, you do it a few more times. You pedal, just a, you pedal a few more times, and then the beginning of the second week comes. And you're rushing. You rush home from work, and you're starting to change clothes, and then you take and you just throw. <laughs> and the next thing you know, the next thing you know, a month later, a year later, you don't even know what you bought because it's covered in clothes. And it becomes a nice drying rack and a place to hang clothes and to transition things your resolution dissolves into dissolution because it was just one thing that you thought that would work to get you back into that smaller pair of pants, to get you back down to weight, to make you feel healthier. What you didn't realize is that if anyone has committed like 
truly committed to losing weight. Exercise is only 10% of weight loss. What's the 90%? What you eat. <laughs> What you eat is 90% of weight loss. Exercise is only 10%. It's only 10% of weight loss. So if you really want to commit, if you really want to lose weight, you start to track calories. You, you watch what you're eating, what you're intaking, you write it down. This sounds hard, doesn't it? You write down your calories, what you're eating, what times of day you're eating it or drinking it. You keep track of it, and then you do uh, aerobic workout and you do resistance workout with weights. You alternate that. Because an aerobic workout, if you work out on, on the bike for 10 minutes, you get a 10-minute workout. If you work out for weights, with weights for 10 minutes, your workout lasts half a day because your body's in recovery, okay? There's a lot of detail if you want to really, really lose weight. The problem with New Year's resolutions is they are, they're just this Band-Aid stuff. We do this with our spiritual life too. We think, okay, I want a closer relationship with Christ. And so I'm gonna add five minutes of Bible reading every day. So you start, you get your brand new Bible, you, you start with buying something, right? So you go out and you buy a brand new Bible in some translation and you bring it home, you sit down, you're, you're all set. You read for five minutes that first day. You're all excited. The next day, you read for six minutes. The third day, you read for five minutes, but you don't feel any different. You don't feel any closer. You don't feel any connection. By the end of the week, you're wondering why you're doing this. There's, there's things you could be doing besides this. And by the beginning of the second week, all of a sudden, you're too busy to take that five minutes and start to read your Bible. It's because reading your Bible is just a surface thing, just like buying a bike and starting there. It's just a surface thing. If you want a greater relationship with Jesus Christ, there's, there's something more core, something deeper that you need to do, and it's just as hard as losing weight. Well, this is a wonderful message I'm giving you, isn't it? It's just as much work and just as much of a commitment as riding this bike. Now, I've been married 28 years. Do you think that that was easy? It's a commitment. It takes work. It takes listening. It takes, it takes a lot of work to be married that long and still be alive. <laughs> right? So our re relationship with God can be deeper, can be greater, but it takes work. And it takes sacrifice. And we follow the example. I'm going to tell you a story of someone who sacrificed a lot in order to change their, the core of who they were in order to change their relationship, okay? I'm going to tell you a story about this person. May I have Philippians 2, please? Let the same mind be in you that was in Jesus Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, 
being born in human likeness and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Think about who, how a God would act. God, the creator of the universe, the creator of us, the sustainer of all life in the universe. He chose to become a baby. We just celebrated Christmas. He chose to be a baby. Now, a baby, when born, can't take care of itself, can't even change itself, can't feed itself. The God of the universe became one of those for you. Completely changed how the, he operated, became a child, humbled himself, and then was raised as a child and preached and ministered to the people, which we read about in, in the scripture. He was used, abused, beaten, falsely tried, and then executed. At what point does this describe a God? Well, it describes Jesus. God decided to become a helpless child for us, lived a life as one of us, and then later was beaten, spat upon, and hung on a cross to die by choice for us. That is a commitment in order to have a relationship with you. So, what kind of commitment do we need to have a relationship with him? The only life, the only life that's going to grow in Christ, that's going to grow in wholeness and in holiness with him is a life that is done, that is examined and is an examined life. There's four steps to having an examined life. This is a life that is, the word examine means looking at, to identify, to investigate your life, okay? So the first step in having an examined life is to reflect. When you reflect on your day, on your week, on your month or your year, I would suggest reflecting on a day, on no more than a week, when you reflect on your life during your day, reflect on when you saw God move in your life. Reflect on where you saw God shine, where God showed up, and you saw that. You were attentive to that. You saw that something happened that was definitely God had his hand in it. And then see the spots in your day where maybe you didn't do so well. Things didn't work out. Things didn't go like you had planned or anyone else had planned. Okay? The next thing is you need to recognize where God is working. The best way I find to do this, this, this examining my life, is to take a journal and to write all this out. Or I do it by hand, but if you want to type, you want to use your thumbs, whatever. 
But the best way to examine is to write this out, to write, reflect on your day, recognize exactly where God had worked, exactly where God had moved, recognize those moments and give him credit for those moments in your life, okay? The next thing you need to do is repent. Repent is more than asking for forgiveness. So what you're repenting of, the things that you didn't do right, the things that you got wrong, the things that you sinned against God, things that you did or things that you didn't do. Because you can do wrong by doing something. You can also do wrong by not doing something. Helping when you should have helped. Saying something when you should have said something. The opposite is true. You did something when you shouldn't have done anything. You said something when you shouldn't have said anything. You need to repent. The definition of repent is this. You're walking in one direction, you're doing that thing, and repent means you stop, you ask for forgiveness, God forgive me for walking in this direction, and you turn 180 degrees and you walk the other way. That's what repent means. It doesn't mean I'm walking this way, God forgive me. God forgive me. God forgive me, it doesn't mean that. It means God forgive me go the other way. I told you this would be hard, right? Nobody said this stuff was easy. I tell you, though, through each of these steps, God is with you. God is giving you the strength. He's shaping you. He's molding your heart into, into so you will reflect him, okay? Your life will change. You will start to see the world differently. You will start to see people as he sees them. You will start to love as he loves. You will be different as you commit your life to relationship with him. And that's because in the last step is you need to respond. In those areas where God has called you to repent or do something or to stop, do some, stop doing something, you respond to what God is calling you to do. If you feel that God is calling you to do something, then do it. <laughs> the biggest way you can worship God during this time is to do what it is you feel that he's asking you to do or to stop doing whatever it is that he's asking you to stop doing. As you do this, I, daily is best, a week at most, okay? As you do this daily, your relationship with him will grow. You will change. You will change because your relationship with God will change. It will continue to grow. It will blossom within you. And people will see his love and light shining in you. They will say that you have changed. But the thing that's changed in you is your relationship with him. He will start to come out more and more and more. And there will be less and less of you. That's what we want. If that sounds scary to you, it shouldn't be. Because it is God's love and grace that we want flowing through us. Now, John Wesley had a vision of this. 212, 220, am I close enough? 220, 220 years ago, John Wesley had a vision of this, of the church being transformed into wholeness, becoming more and more like Christ 
or as, little, as uh, C.S. Lewis says, uh, we become little Christs. <laughs> it's, that's kind of, a, it sounds blatant, but that's exactly what it is. We become little Christs. John Wesley had a vision of this, so much so that every year on New Year's Eve, what, what day is it? It's New Year's Eve. Wow, that kind of worked out good, didn't it? Every year on New Year's Eve, he would say, a, he, he would have a service in which the congregation who are willing to do away with resolutions but rather to commit their lives to Christ again would say a prayer. A prayer that was honest, a a prayer that is blatant, a prayer that is true. Now you were given a piece of paper, looks kind of like this. For our, U- for our Ukrainian friends, there is a Ukrainian translation one. Um, if you do not have one and need one, it's going to be on the screen also, but if you do not have one and need one, please raise your hand. We'll make sure, the ushers make sure you get one, especially in Ukrainian, because the Ukrainian one will not be on the screen. It'll just be on the paper. I see, going through the train light, I see two or three up here, over here. These lights are so hot, you'd think I was uh, running on this bike. All right, all, t- all together, let's say this prayer. It, let me put it to you this way. If you desire a closer relationship with Christ this year, then say this prayer with me. If you're too scared, say it anyway. But if you don't want a closer relationship with Christ, don't say this prayer. Because if you do, God is really good at keeping his end of things. God is really good at keeping his end of things. So if you do say this, watch out. Okay? I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Place me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be put to work for you or set aside for you. Praised for you or criticized for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and fully surrender all things to your hope and service. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours, so be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be confirmed in heaven. Amen. You see why I said if you didn't mean it, don't pray it? Because you just made a covenant with heaven. The the best thing we can do after this, the best thing we can do after this is to celebrate communion. Because this is the example 
of how far, God, how far God is willing to go to keep his side of the covenant we just made with him. He's willing to come and to die. On the night that he was arrested, Jesus took his disciples up to a rented room to share a meal together. As the disciples entered that room, there was no servant, there was no slave to wash their feet, but the basin and the water was there and the towels. And as the disciples filed in, they saw no servant and they said, I'm not doing that. That's beneath me. I'm not doing that. And then Jesus came in. He saw that there was no servant. He saw the disciples standing there and he saw the basin and the water. He went over to the basin. He poured the water into the bowl. He took off his outer robe, which was a sign of who he was as a teacher and rabbi. And he wrapped that around his waist, transforming him. That transformed his, his look from rabbi to slave to servant. And one at a time, he washed the disciples' feet. The disciples did not like this because this is not how things are done. The teacher does not wash the disciples' feet, and they hated it, but Jesus insisted. When he was done, he stood off to the side, and he said, you know exactly how this world defines power. It defines power by the, the rulers rule it over and push their thumb into your back, make you do things you don't want to do. They lord it over all of you. But I have just defined, shown you how God defines power. God defines power by taking off the outer cloak, becoming a servant, and serving each other. If you want to be great in power in the kingdom, then serve each other. 